We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Cubs are down to their last out, ninth inning. 5-2 Cincinnati. Here comes the 1-1. A swing and a looper. Shallow right going out is Votto. Votto is there, makes the catch. And the Cincinnati Reds have beaten the Chicago Cubs by a score of 5-2. A little pop fly by Castellanos. Caught by Votto. And this series is even at one win apiece. 1001, and welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse for Saturday, August the 10th. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. And right now, let's go out to the El Pamonte Ford hotline. El Pamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. And, Bruce, we have a very, very special guest. The voice of the Chicago Cubs right here on the score and the Xfinity Cubs radio network. Our good friend Pat Hughes, nice enough to take some time out on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Pat. Bruce, good morning to you and David. How are you guys today? Yeah, we're doing great. Uh, obviously, it was a nice start to this road trip and underlining road trip for the Chicago Cubs, meaning, you know, the, the, the disparaging uh, numbers that we see, you know, from home and away and the nice start in, on Thursday's game where they dominated the game, scored double-digit runs again. And then last night, runners in scoring position, another problem once again. So it's a it's quite a roller coaster for the Cubs, isn't it, Pat? It has been, especially on the road, Bruce, as you say, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it's one of those mysteries. Uh, last night, you have to give credit to Trevor Bauer. He was the uh, Reds pitcher, formerly with the Indians. He was very good last night, great control, unbelievably good breaking ball, and he threw a lot of good pitches. And as you say, uh, when the Cubs did have those at-bats with men in scoring position, uh, they just could not come through. Um, you know, you can look at it either way that the Cubs did not uh, get the clutch hits or the other way is that the pitcher on the other side was just very dominant. Yeah, absolutely. This hour on the score brought to you by Sharp Vision Modern LASIK. You know, Pat, uh, I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Theo Epstein. He made some acquisitions here at the trading deadline and even before that to improve the ball club. But he did no, no nobody has been better since uh, coming over Nick Castellanos. He has been fantastic. As a hitter, he's hitting over 400 in a Cubs uniform. He seemingly is on every pitch. That I, I'm sorry, hit. guys. I'm having a hard time hearing. We're going we're to have to change right. this line. I'm, let's I'm uh, very let's sorry. reestablish and give Pat time to, uh, to uh, get connected once, one more time. So uh, a, as you were talking about, Nick Castellanos has certainly been one of the top players in the, in the uh in the game on the team, you know, here since he joined them, David. Yeah, well, we'll pose the question to Pat as soon as we have him back here on the phone lines. But he's been fantastic. I mean, he's been on every pitch seemingly that they have been throwing to him. What I really like about him, Bruce, is that the pitch is on the outside corner. He's not trying to pull it. He's going the opposite direction, and he's shown power to the right field he, side. He, he, he lives there. You know, I mean, he lives in right center field. That's been his history, David, as, as good a hitter as he was. Now, in Detroit, Comerica Park, uh, it's not as favorable fence-wise. So uh, he, he be, instead of home runs, he was leading the, the uh, all of major leagues in doubles. Now you're starting to see with more favorable ballparks, especially in the National League Central, 
little friendlier, those line drives go out of the ballpark. You know, it's also, and he says every time he's in the batter's box, he's thinking double, extra base hit. And there have been a lot of hits, like to left center or right center field, that he, you can tell he's thinking second base, you know, and, and a lot of players would not be going for it. He gambles a little bit. He got caught that one time trying to steal third. I thought uh, it was a calculated move because they had the shift, and he thought that he could beat the, uh, the third baseman, or actually it was a shortstop, but playing by third base. Right. You know, and, and so he's one of these ball players who goes all out all the time, even though he told us one time in, in the club, and goes, well, I'm faking it most of the time. No, you're not. I mean, he's, he's one of these players that hustles 100% of well, the time. And that energy you know, that they brought in here with him and now Jonathan Lucroy, who's also added to the mix, uh, you know, very, very interesting uh, combinations of players. Lucroy, you know, basically let go of by the Angels and not, uh, not quite, um, you know, uh, the, the player that he was before, but he went through some real trauma after uh, going on the IL for 18 uh, days because of that collision at home plate that he had uh, with Marisnik of, uh, of the uh, Houston Astros. So from, from that perspective, uh, just getting a veteran in there to go along with him. Two veterans that uh, have been uh, resuscitated, brought along to uh, a new level here for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, we're still trying to reconnect with Pat Hughes, so hopefully we'll get him back up here in just a minute or two. Um, talking about Lucroy, though, Bruce, I mean, they, they signed him after they had Maldonado. They traded him to Houston. Um, that got the uh, Tony Kemp back over here. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, Lucroy, you know, they can expand the rosters, obviously, in September and carry three catchers. Do you think that's what's going to happen at that juncture? Yeah, a- absolutely. I-, I think they will, you know, at, the, at that point. But nonetheless, um, you know, three is, was difficult. That's why they got rid of Machado. So uh, I, would, I would think that, um, you know, they will formulate that September 1st, you know, having, you know, three that really function for them at that point when, uh, when Contreras gets back. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to wait and see what, what Lucroy does give you in the span of time before you even worry about what happens come September. But, you know, Caratini obviously can play, you know, can spell um, uh, Rizzo at first base. He can be used off the bench in certain situations. So I would imagine Jonathan Lucroy, pending on what he gives you now until Contreras comes back, will be on this roster at least in the month of September. And, you know, you can't worry about a playoff roster at this point. You just got to get to hopefully the postseason at this point. Um, you know, talking about Castellanos, though, I like the way that Joe Madden is using him, Bruce, because, again, you know, he started, like, for instance, even one of the first games, he had him in right field, but he got him out of right field in the sixth or seventh inning when the sun started going down over the top of the uh, the roof, you know, you know, the, you know how it is, Bruce, at, at Wrigley Field, where the sun all of a sudden comes in over the roof, and the right fielder has a really tough time seeing it. So he knew that Castellano would not be familiar with that kind of surroundings, and he moved him. You didn't want to get him out of the game, but he moved him from right field to left field at that point in order for him to stay in the game, and then eventually he, he brought in somebody else as a defensive replacement. All right, I think we got Pat Hughes at, uh, back on the line, and uh, Zach, if we do have him up, uh, put him back on in the air, I guess. Okay. <laughs> in the meantime, yeah, Pat yeah, Hughes. Okay. So Pat Hughes uh, rejoins us on Inside the Clubhouse, Pat. And we were, we were talking about the impact of uh, Castellanos and uh, 
how that has uh, revitalized the team as far as some new energy. Yeah, Castellanos has been a very good addition, and Ian Happ coming up from the minor leagues, he's also been uh, a very positive force the last few days. And Jonathan Lucroy, he's only been here a couple of days, Bruce, but he came through with three hits two nights ago, and I think he's going to make a nice impact as well. But, yes, Theo Epstein and his staff, they've done an excellent job every year at the deadline acquiring players to make the Cubs stronger, and let's just see how this one works out. When you look at Castellanos, um, I mean, we, we hear Joe Madden and Anthony Iaposi, the hitting instructor for the Cubs, and even going back to Chili Davis last year, they wanted the approach of using the entire field, of uh, you know, you know, leveling out some of those swings and just have that line drive approach. It seems Castellanos is that perfect guy as an example where he just hits line drives, he goes the other way. Uh, it looks... It looks like the easy function of what they've been asking for, yet you continue to see other guys still try to pull the ball and hit home runs and hit under the ball, Pat, uh, with runners in scoring position. Yeah, Castellanos is just a good, aggressive hitter, Bruce. He leads uh, the big leagues in doubles. I believe he has 43, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I like the way he attacks. as soon as the ball is in the strike zone, he's not up there looking to take a walk. or uh, he, He's looking to drive the ball hard early in the count. Uh, I like that. Uh, he's going to get plenty of protection. He should get some pretty good pitches to hit, hitting in front of guys like Bryant and Rizzo and Baez. Uh, he's, he's an excellent number two uh, batter because he's also a good base runner. He's aggressive there. He's got good speed. Uh, he has been, you know, thrown out on the bases a couple of times, but that goes hand in hand with being an aggressive base runner. Sometimes you will uh, force the issue when you shouldn't, and you get thrown out. But overall, I like his game. Uh, his defense seems fine in the outfield, but um, he's just a dynamic offensive player. He's got extra base hit power, and uh, he lashes that ball, and he's hit the ball hard, I would say, about two or three times every single game since joining the Cubs. Yeah, he's been an absolute uh, delight so far in a Cubs uniform, no question about it, Pat. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how Joe has handled the bullpen, not just recently, but all season long. I think he's done an overall a pretty darn good job. You know, fans will always, you know, find something to bellyache about, but when you have injuries like it has happened to Strope and and, uh, and tomorrow specifically, and now even Kinsler and and Steve Ciszek, you know, is, is starting to get a little bit tired at this stage of the season hopefully he'll get his second wind I think Joe has done overall a pretty good job considering all the circumstances in that bullpen and David I agree I think Joe Madden is one of the best managers I've ever seen and I think uh, handling the bullpen is simply part of his managerial skill he's very careful not to overuse guys he makes sure they get their proper rest Um, he is very smart about matchups late in games um, I think he, uh, you know, let's put it this way. When, when the bullpen is struggling and when guys are giving up home runs that tie the game or lose the game, it makes the manager look bad. Um, and when several guys in the bullpen are doing that, there's, there's nothing for a manager to do. You've got to use the, the best pitchers you have and hope that they get the job done. When they get the job done, it makes the manager look smart. When they don't get the job done, it makes it look like the manager is making a mistake. I don't look at it that way because I know how smart Joe is. I know what his track record is of how uh, wise he has been to use the bullpen in the past. 
So I think that, you know, you mentioned, David, this year, I think every year, Joe Madden uh, uses the bullpen well, and whatever personnel he has, he will use it and maximize their effectiveness. The voice of the Chicago Cubs, Pat Hughes, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Pat, uh, are you surprised at the parity uh, in the National League Central uh, this year? I mean, the Cubs were uh, obviously the favorite. The starting pitching seems to still be above uh, the other teams in the division, yet uh, there, there's no separation. I mean, uh, the Cubs have had a, a three-game lead, a three-and-a-half-game lead, which is the biggest lead of the year for them. Uh, it, are you surprised that the, the, the other teams who really didn't do much at the deadline at all are, are still in the mix with the Cubs? Um, I, I, not really, Bruce, because uh, the game goes in cycles, and sometimes you have – uh, parody. Sometimes there's a runaway division champion like the Cubs of 2016. I know the Cardinals ran away with the division a few times earlier uh, in this century. But um, no, it doesn't really surprise me. I think that um, when you have uh, the draft where you, you know, the teams with the lowest records draft first, eventually uh, that means that the, the teams at the bottom are going to start acquiring some pretty good ball players and pretty good uh, pitchers. So eventually things do even out. That's the way the system is set up so that uh, the, the weak teams will get stronger. And uh, if you win a championship, you pick last in the draft the next year. But um, it, it goes in cycles. I remember uh, you know, a few years ago, 2015, uh, the Cubs, Pirates, and Cardinals all won 97 or more games, a very strong division. Uh, this year it looks like maybe 90 wins will win the Central, maybe not even 90, maybe 88 will get the job done. But um, it, it's a tough division. I think top to bottom. Now the Pirates have fallen out since the All-Star break. The Pirates, I think, are 4-22 and 22 since the All-Star game. But the other four teams are pretty good, and um, it's, uh, it, it makes for a good race. Uh, it's tough to go on road trips. You no longer can go into Cincinnati or Pittsburgh and think you're going to waltz right through and win two out of three or even sweep. So the Cubs are in the same boat in that regard as Milwaukee and the Cardinals. Uh, I know the Cardinals and Brewers still have many games left against each other. So, uh, no, it's exciting. It's, uh, I like the fact that it's bunched tightly like this. Uh, it creates a lot of drama and a lot of interest in every single city. Hey, Pat, I'll always give credit to a player who does whatever the manager or management asks him to do. And Kyle Schwarber did his best in the leadoff position, hit some uh, leadoff home runs. Um, but I think he's you know, better suited overall, further down as a run producer in the lineup. I'm just asking if you think he, 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 since he's been moved further back down into the lineup, does he look more comfortable at the plate in the role that he is now being played? That could be, David. Uh, I think that uh, Kyle has power. I think no matter where he hits, he will get his share of home runs. Um, the leadoff spot's a very important position for a team. Uh, you have to kind of be more patient as a hitter than maybe you'd like to be. And, and, and for a slugger like Kyle, uh, I'm not sure if that's always you know, the most comfortable thing for him to, to you know, wait out pitches and try to work the count a little bit. Um, but I think he did a good job. I think he, he won some games. He had a walk-off homer to beat Cincinnati, and he's, he's had some big ball games. But uh, I think wherever he hits, he's going to hit for power. Uh, he's starting to hit the ball to the opposite field a little more, and that's a good thing. 
Um, but I like Jason Hayward. Jason's done an excellent job as the leadoff man so far. Very fast, very smart base runner. Uh, he's getting his hits. He's not afraid to take a base on balls. And I think he might be there for quite a while now. PatBaseballVoices.com, your website for a lot of interesting memorabilia and things either via CDs or autograph material. Uh, the latest uh, that you're offering, I think right now, is the, the, the scorecard from the National League um, championship game in 2016. Explain a little bit. Well, it was the game six of the NLCS, the night that Kyle Schwarber pitched the uh, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Hendricks pitched the game of his life and shut down the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Cubs beat Clayton Kershaw. There were over forty thousand fans at Wrigley, and and I know it sounds corny, but just thinking about it and talking about it, I get goosebumps sometimes thinking about how exciting that was. And Bruce, I thank you, and I thank. Uh, Mitch Rosen, our great boss at the score, for uh, bringing up the idea of trying to make these scorecards available to the public. I wasn't smart enough myself, but I thank you guys for kind of pushing me in that direction. And they've been very, very popular. Go to baseballvoices.com. We sold uh, Game 7 of the World Series. That's still available. We have the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game scorecard. Uh, that's still available. And now, as you say, the latest one is the night where the Cubs won the National League pennant. They beat the Dodgers. It was back in October of 2016. And uh, they're available at BaseballVoices.com. And I'm more than happy to personalize all of them to Bruce or to Dave or to Aunt Betty or whomever. I'll take and, one for uh, And they're Aunt available Betty. at BaseballVoices.com. <laughs> but I think they're a very cool piece of of memorabilia that will remind you of a very special time, uh, a special game, and a special memory, especially if you attended uh, Game 6 of the NLCS. And I know a lot of people did. I I enjoyed that, uh, and I kind of savor covering that uh, as much or maybe more than the Cubs winning the World Series because of the fact that it took place at Wrigley Field. And uh, to have a team win a National League pennant for the first time in 70 years, uh, you know, at that point, 71 years. Uh, to me, the home fans being able to celebrate that and the noise and just the, uh, you know, the drama of them building a stage, giving the uh, NLCS award out to both to uh, Javier Baez and John Lester as co-winners. That was, uh, you know, that, that type of theater you, you can't plan on. I just walked to center field, watched all the fans still in the ballpark, uh, completely there, probably still 35,000, you know, cheering uh, that event. Uh, To me, that was, uh, you talk about raising the hairs on your arms and the back of your neck. That was the moment. Bruce, you put it very well. I I totally agree. And uh, you almost can't help but smile when you think about that experience. Uh, I'm sure the ballplayers feel the same way, and Joe Madden and, and all the fans, and certainly as a broadcaster. I just sometimes when I get down, I think about that game and think about the joy that it brought so many millions of people, uh, and that it meant the Cubs were going to the World Series. But I liked your comment a minute ago about the fact that it, it occurred at Wrigley Field. Uh, as sweet as the Cubs' World Series was in Cleveland three years ago, I, I'm looking forward, and I hope. I am still around broadcasting Cubs games 
the day or the night when the Cubs win a World Series at Wrigley Field. That still is to come. It's never happened. And I'm, I'm looking very much forward to that because can you imagine how exciting that would be? We'll be listening to you and Ron and uh, Zach tonight as you broadcast again the, the Cubs and Reds this evening. Pat, thanks so, so much for joining us, and have a great day, okay? Bruce, you're very kind. Thanks to you and Dave. And, again, the, the website, just a reminder, is BaseballVoices.com. Thanks again, Pat. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. 312-644-6767. Open phone lines until the top of the hour. We'll be back right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Ten twenty-eight. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse for Saturday, August the 10th. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. And the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, We'll open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit chicagowolves.com. Open phone lines until the top of the hour when Steve Rosenblum will be here in the captain's chair. Uh, Our number, 312-644-6767. We're going to throw out a couple of topics in just a second here. Go ahead, Bruce. You'll be the first mate on the the good ship Rosenblum? (laughs) I will be Gilligan. (laughs) Bob Denver. Let's go out to the phone lines right now, and let's pick it up. Who do we got on hold right now? It's Joe from St. Charles who's joining the, the show. Go ahead, Joe. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hi, guys. Um, I'm really glad that Russell is not on the Cubs right now, and I'm really hoping that they do not bring him up in September. But be that as it may, what do you guys think his future as a baseball player is? Well, David, you can hop in there first. Well, um, good, good point whether they're even going to bring him up in the month of September. Certainly they have enough second basemen to fill a football team at this point. So I don't They even don't know really they, have a shortstop. No, they don't. So that is the good backup, uh, you know, because right now David Bodie is your backup shortstop, and that's sort of scary in itself. I think his future in baseball, as long as he keeps his stuff off the field away, you know, just hopefully that goes with whatever the problems were. If he's able to do that, he's still a young player. He had a really good season a couple of years ago when they certainly won the championship. And there's other teams in baseball that will definitely take a chance I, I, on I him. I think his time with the Cubs is over. Yeah, I do too. And, and for, for and, and not anything negative about him, just the idea. I think when you hear about athletes getting fresh starts, this, is, this jumps in your face as – He's not going to do it with the Cubs. Um, he, he's been replaced at the position by a guy who's an all-star now. And uh, they can move on and try to find another second baseman. I think for Addison's sake, you know, going down the line, maybe he'll be brought back and he'll have some impact in September. You never know what the baseball fates have in store for you. Yeah, but I still think that there's room for him again. If he's able to get rid of whatever off-the-field problems he had, and keep them away. Yeah. I think he's a young enough player. What is he, Bruce? 26, 27? 25. 25. 
All right, and he had a really good season, like I said, the year they won the championship. He's still in the prime of his athletic right. you know, prowess, if you will. So I think that some other team will take a chance right. on I, I, You know, I agree with you. He's had tremendous distractions created by himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has tremendous responsibilities off of the field. And it's just not easy to say, hey, those things aren't going to impact you. So if he can uh, get a handle on that, I agree with you. He's, I think he's still a good ball player for someone else. Yeah. Lots of things. And we're going to throw out a couple of topics here, Bruce. Uh, let's start with the standings, okay? Because a lot of the divisions are obviously, and they've been for a long time, sort of fait accompli. I mean, the Yankees are obviously going to win their division. The Astros are going to win that division. The Dodgers and the Braves are going to win their division. So you're down to basically two divisional races, of which one of them is the Cubs, of course. The other one, Cleveland and Minnesota in the Unbelievable, Central. Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, you, you, you go ahead and talk, talk about what the lead right. once well, was. Let's talk about two teams. We're going to talk about that, but let's talk about Cleveland and the New York Mets. Okay. Because they're, they're in Intriguing teams. Cleveland on June 2nd was down 11 and a half games in the division. Everybody was calling it, you know, it was Minnesota's division. Mm-hmm. They're going to win. They're going to walk away with it. Not so fast. I mean, Cleveland has started to add some offense to a team that's had enough pitching to be able to trade away a guy like Bauer and not miss a beat. Can you imagine Cincinnati getting Bauer, who dominated the Cubs yesterday. I mean, they had their chances, but he's, he's still, as Pat Hughes described, was uh, stellar when it came to big moments. You, you trade away, can you imagine like the Cubs trading away uh, like a Quintana or uh, Hamels in the middle of a pennant race and the outrage uh, that, that would, might show? But in Cleveland, they have these young guys like Bieber. They have young guys like Plesek that have come along, stepped up, and have shown to be competent starting pitchers so that they could move Bauer. Uh, you know, Bauer had that, that difficulty in the end, but he's a different type guy, period. And, uh, and not miss a beat. They've been one of the hot teams in baseball and a very good one at this point. Yeah, you've got to give a lot of credit to uh, Terry Francona. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, I mean, that team... Again, I mean, they got off to such a horrible start. They had injuries. Corey Kluber is still not back yet. He might be back for the stretch run for them. And they have made up, as you alluded to, it's, it's now tied at the top of the division in the Central. 11 and a half games they've made up. Pretty, and it's not like the Twins have gone into the toilet either. I mean, the Indians have just no, stepped they, on the they, gas. They've played really well, and they still have, I believe, eight games left with each other. That'll, and that'll I, think, I think six of them might be uh, in Minnesota. So, uh, I mean, as great a story as it is, Cleveland could (coughs) still be left out uh, without even a spot in the playoffs because they're fighting tooth and nail with Tampa at this point and Oakland, who are two outstanding teams who uh, have a little leverage as well for the wild card. And we're not even talking about Boston, who still has a over 500 record, but a performed uh, not too well this year, especially yeah. Uh, lately. Yeah, one real quick note on the Red Sox. I mean, Chris Sale it is such an enigma because overall he's obviously had a horrible season. But yet in his last start, he struck out, what was it, 12 or 13 in his right. last start? He's still potentially one of the best pitchers right. in all of baseball. Th- their pitching has been subpar. Uh, you know, and, and now that uh, Price has gotten hurt, uh, Evaldi has not been anything to the, you know, he's been hurt most of the year, nothing close. So they, you know, they have not got MVP seasons out of the players that they did last year. Therefore, they're they're a run of mill team that is just on the periphery of the wild card. The Mets, for that, for uh, un, some unbelievable reason, they added 
Marcus Stroman in a trade. They have four of the top starters. Stroman might be the best four starter in baseball now with that other part of the rotation. They've won 14 out of 15. They've had a, a phenomenal comeback to where they're tied with uh, St. Louis and Philadelphia for the second wild card right now. Um, I mean, that's pretty incredible. And because of that starting pitching, this might not be a flash in the pan. This might be New York Mets 1969 revisited where they won 37 out of 49 games at the end of the year and walked from a nine-and-a-half game deficit from the Cubs to an eight-game win over the Cubs in that division. Oh, 1969, that's an acid flashback. Thank well, it's, it's 50 years, but uh, the, 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 the key to that team, like this one, Dominant starting pitching. 100%. That's why that, it always, in my mind, boiled down to starting pitching. And you mentioned the wild card in the National League. I mean, this is where the really, divis- not divisional races, this is really where the playoff race is because between Washington, Milwaukee, those are the two, as of this minute, wild card leaders. Then you have St. Louis, you have the Mets, like you mentioned, you have the Phillies, you have Arizona. That's a game and a half between all six of those teams. I know. It's crazy. That, that's the best race of and, them all. And, then, and the Cubs are right there, only two and a half games ahead of those guys. So yeah, Win the division is right. basically what you're so saying. So they're, they're in that same mix. You know, If they drop a couple games here or there, all of a sudden they're in the wild card uh, conversation. And, you know, Bruce, a lot of times executives' decisions make or break their careers – did the San Francisco Giants make a mistake? Because you know, they, they were in the playoff wild card chase, but now they're four back with not six management teams. ownership. Ownership, okay. Ownership made that call. You know, hold on to Bumgarner, hold on to those two relief pitchers. You know, hold on to Smith, who a lot of teams wanted. They could have gotten pieces back for next year. Instead, they tried to appease the fans for right now. And, you know, might blow up in their face, you know, going down to next season and beyond that. All right. So we'd love to hear from you about any of the playoff races. We're going to throw out one more topic before we go to break here. Field of Dreams. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, you know, stuff that came out over the last few days. The White Sox and the Yankees are going to play in Iowa in a makeshift stadium right by where the Field of Dreams movie was made. I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be pretty cool, and I know you have some thoughts I'm, on that you as You know, well. I'm hoping to cover it and see Moonlight Graham and <laughs> Burt Lancaster walk out of the corn. Does Kevin Costner throw out the first pitch in that game? I say he does. I, you know, that, that, I think that would be or, cool. Or Shoeless Joe. I think, yeah, Ray Liotta. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean the real show. Oh, well, you know, dig him if up. he can, no, he just walks out of the corn. That's <laughs> corns, you know, that that's where it goes. But we're going to talk about it because there's some interesting angles to that, especially being the hot ticket that it is already yeah, a year away. Three one two six four four six seven six seven is the number. We'll take you right up to Rosie and to Shoe at the top of the hour. But uh, until then, we'll take this short break, come back on uh, 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. 1044, welcome back to our final segment for Inside the Clubhouse. Today being Saturday, August the 10th. Bruce, can you believe it? Only six more weeks left in the baseball It's going to be exciting. It ends early this year. We're used to October uh, it's starting, but... Uh, you know, it ending, you know, but this year it ends September 28th. You know, the season started earlier. It's going to continue to start early again next year. So, uh, yeah, there's there's only 46 games in the Cubs season, a couple more, I think, for the White Sox. But uh, it's going to be uh, interesting all the way. And as Joe Madden has said from the very beginning of the season, I don't see much separation in our division. You know, I, I, th- I think 
it's going to be a dogfight all the way, and it has been. Well, four, four divisions, as we stated in our last segment, are, have been runaways. And basically, I mean, the Dodgers, <laughs> the Dodgers could have started printing playoff tickets, what, back in May, yeah. seemingly? Last year. You know, so uh, the Astros have run away and hid. The Yankees have a, a huge lead. And even Atlanta, I think it's still six and a half games in their division. So, yeah, the Cubs division is one of the two divisions along with, well, both central division races are the ones, you know, uh, right. still the, in the doubt. One, the one thing about Atlanta, though, is they play – Three really hungry teams going down the stretch uh, because of the last month of the season you play a lot in your division with Washington, Philadelphia, and now the Mets. But actually, I think that's a good thing. I've always said that, you know, it's – you don't want to, you know, listen, for the fan base and maybe even some people inside the organization, maybe sometimes it's best to win running away because you can get no, everything. I, your I think it's great for baseball. Well, but I, what I'm saying is I think sometimes if you have to work a little bit extra to get into the postseason, it keeps you sharper because there's too many times where I've seen teams, you know, I mean, I've seen it in other sports as well, um, where they just coast into because they have such a big lead. And they're just not sharp when right. the when the postseason well, starts. The Cubs had their scare uh, right before the All Star break in 2016, and then they stepped on the, the pedal and they were there, and they they retained that all the way through. I mean, it wasn't easy. They were down three to one in the World Series. No one should forget that. They had to make this tremendous comeback to to actually win the last three games to win the World Series. But uh, your, your perspective is right on that. You know, good division races keep you sharp. Although the wear and tear on your bullpen, everything else, you know, sometimes you got nothing left. We saw it with the Cubs in 2017, what they had to go through to get in. Then that uh, series that you and I covered in Washington where it was just, you know, that last game was like, you know, the Battle of the Bulge. You know, it was just nothing left for the Cubs after that and a plane ride that took uh, literally 15 hours because they had to make an emergency stop in Houston, and then you saw the rest that against the Dodgers, they, they just weren't there. They were they were done. They were gassed. Yeah, you know, pros and cons to everything. You know, a lot of people want to coast into it. A lot of people want to have close division races. The White Sox, when they won in 05, they had the huge lead in yep. the division. They got down to, what, a game and a half at yep. one point? Mm-hmm. And then they had a win, you know, over the final, what, seven to ten days yep. of the regular season yep. to get in. And I think that actually helped them, to yeah, be honest lost with you. one game in the playoffs and, you know, great starting pitching. But... We wanted to talk a little bit about the Field of Dreams game between the Yankees and the White Sox. It's going to be next August in Dyersville, Iowa. Major League Baseball is building a field there. Uh, from what we understand, maybe they'll continue to use that uh, after this event. But nonetheless, maybe about 8,000 tickets left. And I don't know about you, David, but everyone I knew that is a baseball fan, I got Eight or ten calls from different people Already. saying, "Give me, get me those," and I go, "Well, there's no tickets to get because <laughs> that distribution we were told by the White Sox yesterday won't come for months, and we don't know in what form whether it's a lottery form, which I, I assume it will be, whether White Sox season tickets, uh, season ticket holders will have first shot at it. I mean, think of this: you have the off season to sell the young White Sox team, but you also can offer, you will be in a separate lottery for the Field of Dream games if you're a season ticket holder, which I assume, you know, because it's a Sox home game, there's going to be some priority there. 
Well, you would think so, because it is a White Sox home game. But you know what? I, I have a feeling, and listen, uh, all the details have not been released and won't be, according to Scott Reifert, who was uh, you know, in the White Sox front office, he said it won't come out for a couple of months. But I'm going to guess it's almost treated like, like an all-star game, no doubt. where, where you know, Major League Baseball gets 40 or 50 percent of the tickets, then maybe the White Sox being the home team gets another 20 or 30 percent of the tickets. And we're not talking about that many to begin with. Right. And then the Yankees being the visiting team will probably get some, and who knows after that. I want two at corn level. <laughs> Where, is this corn level? At, at corn level, I mean, it's going to be at its peak at, in August, you know, is as it? far as yeah, growth. So I, I, want, I want one, you know, like left center field right there on the corn. Obstructed view by the corn, <laughs> corn field. Listen, now I know you have a lot of connections, and you do. But if you have connections to get tickets to this game, when the, you know, it's going to be one of the all-time uh, ticket broker kind of games where, you know, those kind of people are really well, going to make a mint you and off I, it. Before the show, you and I were talking to Mitch Rosen, uh, the program director here, about, you know, the marketing of it and, you know, the T-shirts and all the memorabilia that will be sold as, as far as the revenue brought in in advance of all this. So I, I think it's going to be such a cool event. And uh, everybody, a baseball fan who is worth their salt, they're going to want to try to be there, even though it. The, the logistics of getting in and out, it won't be fun. It won't, won't be fun to get into a place that's like off of a highway, uh, you know, maybe eight or nine miles of main highway. You know, one of the final scenes in that, well, it is the final scene in that yeah. movie, is when they have all the taillights or all the, actually the headlights, you know, going down that road because here they come. It's always reminded me because you and I have been out to a lot of Dodger games with the Cubs over the years, and you see the the red tail lights up the hill beyond the center field and yeah, right field wall as they're inning. leaving. Well, sometimes even earlier than that. So yeah, it's going to be a really really cool experience, um, and I hope that we're both in attendance. Oh, uh, Ray Liotta is there, and uh, Kevin Costner. Uh, uh, you know, James Earl Jones, you know, there's, there's some, some really great actors that were in that movie. I think, you know, the fantasy of the movie itself, you know, it's like, you know, it's such a stupid premise, but they pulled it off oh, I thought it because, was a great of, movie. because of great writing and because of great scenes between great actors. The, the premise is just like, oh, okay, there's ghosts, you know, and, yeah, it's crazy. and I, get to talk to, I get to talk to my father, you know, who, you know, was going to be a great player, but had to give it up to, to take care of our families. It's such an emotional attachment movie. But to pull, pull it off and to be the success it was, was all because of great writing and great acting. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen that movie dozens of times. And each and every time when his father and him are playing catch, it gets me. Yeah, of it course. It just gets me. I mean, it, you know, it's a great emotional uh, attachment. But, you know, the acting, Bert, you know... Um, Lancaster, Burt Lancaster, is he going to be there? Well, he might be. <laughs> if he walks out of the cornfield, you've got a real story. Uh, J- James Earl Jones is so powerful. Oh, he's great in, in that, this movie. I mean, in that movie, and and you know the subtleness of the you know the the uh, Kevin Costner character losing that farm, not caring about it anymore, or anything else. His wife being supportive, his daughter being supportive of. Yeah, so what if we live out in the street? Just so you get the uh, you know. You have this little time with uh, all those baseball characters. That's the important thing. Yeah, we're giving away too much of this movie if you haven't seen it. If you oh, haven't well, seen if you it, haven't seen yeah, it, you got you got to see it. This movie really gets you. But 
who's who's the actor? Uh, Timothy Busfield is that yeah, his name? Yeah, the you know, brother-in-law. The brother-in-law who's you know with the bank and everything. Oh, you, Ray, you got to sell. You got to sell. And then finally, he sees what everybody else is. Ray, you can't sell. Yeah, I can't sell you this. Can't sell Ray. I mean, it's it's so well done. You know, I, I saw something recently talking about this movie when they first made it or as they were making it they had no idea what you know they were sitting on a pot of gold and a lot of people still don't think this is one of the all-time great baseball movies it's beyond a baseball movie yes it is about baseball and yeah. and, the, and the love of the game and all that kind of stuff but it's also a, a warm-hearted it, it's movie just, it's it's a great emotion movie greatly acted greatly written so i, I think the event is going to be fun to cover uh you know it's going to be hard to get to, but it's going to be very interesting. David, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Uh, I write uh, on the White Sox and Cubs every day at 670 the score at 670thescore.com, so they can follow me on that. I know you and Rosie are going to have a great time the next no, three it'll hours. Suck. No, it'll, it'll suck. Of course, it'll sure. Suck. Well, it's supposed to suck. I think he's out in the hall. I think he, he's, in a, well, he's in a good qu- mood. Quick, lock the door. <laughs> he wants to get in. Lock the door. <laughs> We want to give thanks to Ed Farmer, who joined us, uh, and Pat Hughes, of course. Uh, we appreciate it. Also, special thanks to Zach Withers, our producer and co-pilot. Job well done. And, David, I'll see you out at a ballpark near us. You betcha, Bruce. All right, Bruce, uh, have a great day. Steve Rosenblum and myself coming up right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 